Hey friend, GM Jim from Wizards and Wordslingers. You may already know that I'm not just a game master, I'm also the author of a couple dozen thriller novels, some of which have won awards and some of which have been bestsellers. And the reason I'm telling you this is that we're here today to talk about using thriller tropes in your D&D or Pathfinder campaign, and I think I'm qualified to do that. First, the word trope has a bad connotation to some people because they think it means overused, bad, and cliched. But a trope is just a story beat that's been used long enough and often enough to become a tradition. Boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy gets girl back, that's a romance trope. Being the chosen one but refusing to believe it, that's a young adult fantasy trope. So how do you use thriller tropes to spice up your D&D campaign? Let's get into it. And throughout, I'll be using thriller tropes as defined by Sean Coyne's excellent book, The Story Grid, and using the classic action movie Raiders of the Lost Ark as examples. Now, Raiders is more of an adventure movie than a thriller, but it hits the thriller tropes really well. Let's dig in. Number one, the inciting crime. In these sorts of stories, we usually open with a normal slice of life for the protagonist, then something happens to upset that. Usually a crime or a sea change that spells doom. In Raiders, we see Indy being a professor, teaching class, just going about his normal life. Then two army intelligence officers show up to tell him that the bad guys are excavating an ancient site somewhere in Egypt. This is the inciting crime that spurs the hero into action. And how do your D&D games usually start? The players meet at a tavern, they sit down and order drinks and a meal. Or they're attending a carnival or some other kind of normal, regular life thing. Then it's interrupted by a crime or some other serious event. Now comes the part where the frantic father bursts into the tavern to say that his son has been kidnapped by goblins, or the bad guys attack the mayor in broad daylight at the Harvest Festival. Something visible and obvious has to happen to shock the PCs into action. Number two, the MacGuffin. Put simply, a MacGuffin is an object of desire. These are the diamonds locked in the vault, or the sword stuck in the stone, or the ring that needs to be tossed into the volcano. Usually the hero and the villain want it, but for different reasons. In Raiders, after talking to the army officers, Indy figures out that the bad guys want to unearth the Ark of the Covenant, an important religious artifact. Every single event that happens in this movie after this point is because of the Ark. It's all anyone cares about. Now in your D&D campaign, you may have one MacGuffin or you might have several. Think of the vestiges of divergence from the legend of Vox Machina. Whatever it is or whatever they are, the villain wants it and the hero wants to keep it out of the villain's hands. MacGuffins are an excellent story device because they give the players something tangible to focus on during the sessions. In many thrillers, the hero usually has a good reason to say no when asked to go on this mission or quest. But what happens is an important emotional reason emerges for the hero to put aside the reservations and undertake this dangerous mission anyway. In Raiders, the army officers inform Indy that his old mentor was mentioned in the bad guy's communications. Now Indy has a personal connection to what's going on. In my Crafting Memorable NPCs video, I talked about the importance of making your PCs care about the locals and their plight. So when the party's beloved barkeep friend is attacked, or the beloved local farmer's child is kidnapped, the PCs will be motivated because they'll feel they have a personal stake in the trouble and its outcome tug on their heartstrings and you make it impossible for them to refuse the call to action. Number four, the ticking clock. Nothing motivates your players like running out of time to accomplish a goal. In Raiders, the ticking clock is sort of implied because the bad guys are rushing to find the Ark so Indy has to locate it before they do. This is more of a variable ticking clock because there's no specific countdown. 
Sometimes it's a literal ticking clock like a bomb. Or in werewolf stories, there's always the next full moon coming up. In your D&D game, you can use ticking clocks like... In a month, the rushing river will abate far enough that the bad guys' armies can cross and begin their invasion. Or when the planets align in 10 days, the dark wizard can begin the magic ritual. I would just advise caution using too many ticking clocks or ticking clocks that are too restrictive because some players can feel their agency is being stolen if they're always being rushed to do the next thing. Give them time to breathe and pursue their own goals. It's a balancing act. Number five, speech in praise of the villain. In most thrillers, there comes a point where the villain reveals their master plan. This is usually done to help the audience appreciate the power of the villain and the gravity of the situation. In Raiders, this is accomplished through bits and pieces of conversation throughout, and I suggest you do the same thing. Yes, you can drop your BBEG in front of your players, and Curse of Straw does this well, but be careful. Your PCs might not want to just stand around and listen to your villain's monologue. They might attack. You could end up with a TPK on your hands if they're too underleveled. Instead, I suggest you use NPCs to pass along important exposition about the BBEG. Give your NPCs stories about the villain via rumors and innuendo to illustrate the villain's plan and might. You don't have to physically put the villain in front of your party to communicate their power and ferocity. Number six, the hero at the mercy of the villain. In almost every thriller, there comes a scene where the hero ends up shackled and imprisoned at the hands of the villain, with the odds severely stacked against them. This is also a good time to unfurl the speech and praise of the villain when the heroes are helpless. This happens multiple times during Raiders. And think of every James Bond movie where he's chained up. You expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Does this work in D&D? I think it can. Putting your PCs in peril with seemingly no way out is a great way to up the ante and make things more exciting. Again, just be careful. There should be seemingly no way out in these situations. Put the PCs in a room with no literal means to escape and watch how quickly frustrated your players will become. There should always be a way out of those shackles or that dungeon prison cell and be sure to reward player creativity here. Number seven, the false ending. In most thrillers, there are at least two endings and sometimes more than two. It's hard to give examples here without spoiling things, but think about it. You've seen those movies where the villain is buried under a pile of rubble or goes off the edge of a cliff, only to surprisingly claw their way back out or up just as the hero starts to celebrate. This can work in a campaign where it turns out the BBEG was actually just a puppet of the real villain, or the boss has a cleric pop out and revive them just in time. But again, be careful with this because some players will feel you're stealing their agency and nullifying their hard work by bringing back that villain they just killed. But on occasion, this can be a fun twist to throw at them. So there you have it, seven thriller tropes and how you can use them to spice up planning your campaign. Now go forth and run thrilling games.